Scripture this morning comes from the ninth chapter of Luke, verses 28 through 36. Jesus has just foretold of his death and resurrection. And so as we begin with the 28th verse, Luke sets the setting for what is about to happen. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. They were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent. In those days, told no one any of the things that they had seen. It's God's word for us this day. The account of the transfiguration records the kind of experience that only a privileged few in the entire history of Israel and the church, the early church, have ever experienced. Mystics and saints have lived disciplined lives of piety in hopes of attaining such a vision. Uh, One of the well-known stories about Martin Luther, a story that perhaps is... uh, Uh, a bit exaggerated, but a story nonetheless that has endured across the centuries since Martin Luther became the leader of the Protestant Reformation. Luther struggling with this idea of having to have this overwhelming experience of God. Uh, You know, they have absolute certainty that God was with him, doing all kinds of things in order to make God reveal himself in a powerful, uh, overwhelming, speechless kind of way. Uh, It is said that one of the things that Martin Luther did was make a pilgrimage to Rome in hopes of having such an experience. And once having arrived in Rome, uh, Luther is said to have climbed the steps of St. Peter's Cathedral on his knees all the way up. 
as an act of devotion, as an act of piety, as a, a, in hopes of experiencing something overwhelming. Luther, of course, did eventually have the overwhelming experience, but it was through none of his efforts. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit revealed to him uh, in a message, in a word of grace. God loves you as you are. Now go do his will and his work. Well, others among us, ordinary folk, regular folk, have had experiences we could not explain. Or moments in which we thought we knew we felt God's presence. And who can explain how the divine is present in everyday experience? Notice the end of the transfiguration experience. Uh, The disciples said nothing. They were speechless. They didn't know what to say. And we can be left speechless. By views from the mountaintop, I had the privilege of going to Pikes Peak a few years ago and standing on that peak. And they, uh, as we rode the uh, tram up, the, we didn't climb Pikes Peak, uh, we rode the train up Pikes Peak. As we uh, were standing on there, right before we got off the, the tram, the guide said, we're only going to be up here 20, uh, maybe 25 minutes. We found, these are her words, that you flatlanders can only be up here about that long before the altitude begins to affect you. And we've had people pass out and we, we've had all kinds of, of uh, weird things happen. If we stay up here much longer than that, we've learned experience that we can only be up here for that that short period of time so I tried to make the the most of my my time on Pikes Peak happened to cross a a marker that uh, described how Samuel Ward had looked uh, over the same view that I was looking and was inspired to write the music and to find somebody to write the words to, oh, beautiful for spacious skies, America the beautiful. Sea to shining sea. The view from, from the mountaintop is, is one that can leave us speechless. But also standing on the beach and gazing out over the shores and gazing out over oceans and experiencing God's majesty in God's creation. Can, can leave us without anything to say. We're overwhelmed by the experience. Extraordinary moments. Moments you don't forget. Moments that you can't necessarily describe, but moments that stick with you. Some moments... You don't forget, don't have much to do with anything. They're not life-changing moments, at least not uh, for you. It doesn't change anything about your life. But you remember them. And some of you may know it's Super Bowl Sunday. So I'm going to give you a couple Super Bowl moments that I remember. One of them happens to be a Denver Broncos moment. 
John Elway's third down run for a first down in the Super Bowl, the uh, first Super Bowl that he won. He was about the same age as the quarterback that's playing today for the Denver Broncos. You can see. Sharp inside of Rod Smith to the right. Elway's in the gun. Terrell Davis to his right. Packers jumping around. They rush four. Plenty of time for John. Now squeezes, steps up in the pocket. Elway can run inside the 10. Head first. He dives the five-yard line. My goodness. He dives. It looked like the old play with the Miami Dolphin receiver being spun around, Matt Moore admitted. I still say is this drive will be remembered in, in Super Bowl history, the greatest eight-yard run you'll ever remember by John Elway on third down. Well, that was a memorable moment. Didn't change my life. There's a, in, in addition to the football game, and those great moments uh, that will be a part of perhaps this Super Bowl. Uh, there are commercials that are part of the Super Bowl. You may realize that also. I think this year they are $20 million for 30 seconds, something like that. Something incredible. But this to me is the, the most memorable Super Bowl commercial ever made. Memorable moment. Mr. Green? Yeah. You, you need any help? Mm -mm. I, I just want you to know, I think, I think you're the best ever. Yeah, sure. Want my Coke? It's okay, you can have it. No, no. Really, you can have it. Okay. Think uh, Coca-Cola could have saved themselves three or four million dollars at the time that com commercial was made. They'd realized memorable moments happens to be a couple from the Super Bowl. Then there are moments that change your life that you remember. Your wedding day, the birth of a child, career change. Things that can leave us and, and frequently do leave us speechless. One of the great privileges that I have when I do weddings. Uh, it never, I won't say it never moves me when the bride cries, uh, but it rarely moves me because I expect the bride to cry during the wedding. Uh, not necessarily so with the groom. And uh, when that happens, that, that is a very moving moving moment. And it happens more often than, than you might imagine. Uh, it happens usually when the groom is able to overcome his nervousness and just feel the moment, experience the moment. Moments that leave us speechless. 
that can leave us speechless. Moments we experience but can't explain. This morning, I want to share a personal story with you. Happened about uh, nine or ten years, almost ten years ago now. And it uh, involved one of the members on our staff. He's still on our staff. Steve Klink. Steve wrote this letter about a speechless moment in his life. A transfiguring moment, if you will. He wrote it to a lady, a woman named Michelle Cornell. Some of you may remember her grandmother, Virginia Cornell. I met Michelle at Virginia Cornell's wedding. Michelle has uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And at the time that I met her, she was uh, wheelchair-bound, and uh, very, very much affected in many ways physically by that disease, but still a terrific and wonderful and generous spirit, and she remained so until she passed away. She lived quite a long time with that disease, much longer than anybody else. She was inspiring to many people, including Steve. So the occasion for this letter is Steve describing an experience that he had in his life, uh, something that Michelle had been a part of in terms of uh, offering support and prayer to to Steve. So he wrote these, these words to this person who was inspirational to him. When I came, this was about a, a doctor's visit uh, that he had scheduled over concern about some of the things that were going on with him physically. When I came to Dr. Bridge on March 15th, I really believed that my cholesterol medicine or exercises were causing fasciculations, that's tremblings, twitches, in my body. I put my leg up on the table and said, I think my Crestor needs some adjustment. He ran me through the circus act of a physical exam and sat back down and said, I don't think it's the medication that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I said something about not much liking the alternatives. He asked me what I knew about that, and I said, ALS. He acknowledged that that's what he saw and said, I need to pick a neurologist. I walked out in such a daze that I took the paperwork and I was supposed to take to the front desk. I came home and decided that I should not share this with anyone except my immediate family, minister, lawyer, and accountant. I felt owning a business and having 50 employees and others dependent upon me, I needed to not let it be known. By Friday, I had begun to experience the power of prayer that just sharing with a handful of people was having on me. That night, I wrote to you and decided I was going to start the process of asking for help for prayer. That Sunday, my ministers were quiet about the subject, but one became so upset that she left the service midway crying. I understand that you know Greg and Nancy Eberhard as Greg performed the funeral service for your grandmother. 
Not having talked to my staff yet, I went up to the elders after that service and asked for their prayers for a health issue I had. I had never done anything like that. It was hard for me to ask for their prayers. I felt stronger after they had come around and come around me and prayed for my healing. That Sunday afternoon, I visited key staff at their homes and let them know of my situation. The next day, I told the rest of the staff and close friends. I allowed my sisters to share with my nieces and nephews. I went to church and told the secretary to put my name on the board, the prayer board in the office. One of my pharmacists, Jill, a woman of great faith, gave me a daily devotional by Smith Wigglesworth. She told me the story of Smith and his days as a Pentecostal preacher in the late 18th and early uh, 1900s, late 18th century or 1800s and early 1900s. I took the book home that night, unsealed it, with the idea of looking to see what the devotional was for March 15th, the day of my diagnosis. The title of the devotional for that day reads, I am the Lord who heals you. The scripture for that day read, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. How amazing is that, I thought. I looked at the days on either side of that, and they had nothing like that, nothing about healing. I shared with Jill the next day the message of the Wigglesworth devotional. I had just the day before gone to the elders, and this, to me, was a sign of reassurance. I had done the right thing. By Wednesday, the word was out, and I received a call inviting me to a healing service that the Wednesday evening Bible study at my church wished to perform. I had never experienced this and was pretty apprehensive about having that much attention focused on my well-being. The service began with an elder reading scripture. Guess what it was? James 5, 14 and 15. Wow. Then Greg, the minister, shows up late, takes over, and begins to read the scripture. James 5, 14 and 15. Okay, Lord, I get the message. Now jump ahead to April 7th, last Friday, the day of my big test. That morning, I felt I needed to find peace in the Word of God, and I looked for Smith Wiggleworth's devotional book, and I couldn't find it. I looked in all the usual spots, but it was nowhere to be found. Someone had referred me to a passage from Ephesians 6 about the armor of God, and so I read verses 10 to 20 that morning instead of Wigglesworth. That afternoon, my wife Angie and I went to IU Med Center for the test that would determine uh, whether the diagnosis of ALS was correct. Everyone we came in contact with that afternoon seemed so upbeat, so filled with joy. It seemed in sharp contrast to what I was supposed to be feeling. At 2 p.m. time for my test came, and went, and I was still waiting. Then he came. He with a capital H. Then he came. I was sitting there, focused, when I felt hands gently placed on my shoulders. 
then a tingle at the top of my head that spread out like a circle around my head and moved slowly down my body. Behind this circle, I felt a calming, a peace, as if a weight or burden was being taken from me. It moved down through my, to my toes, having overtaken my whole body. At that point, Angie, sitting right next to me, said, Did you feel that cool wind? I was completely speechless and didn't say anything. She continued to look for the air vent that it had come from, but the wind had already passed by. I knew what it was and felt completely ready to face the test. I went through an hour of needles and shocks. As the test progressed, it became apparent that I did not have motor neuron disease. I cried on the exam table, tears of joy, not so much at the relief, but for the life-changing experience I had been able to receive. I came out to find my wife and whispered in her ear two things. First, I love you. And second, no significant abnormalities. I was not able to muster the vocal strength to tell her of the God moment until we pulled off the Lafayette exit from the interstate. We cried together as I praised the Lord that she was able to be a part of that. We came home and called our ministers and others and told them of the good news. All mentioned how they had prayed for us that day. I thanked them and told them I could feel their prayers and someday would tell them a story that would explain what I meant. I meant that literally. While talking to a nephew that evening, I looked up and there in front of me was Smith Wigglesworth's daily devotion. It now had shown up and had really been right in front of me the whole time. I quickly turned to the devotional for that day, April 7th. It read, The New Birth. Scripture was from John 3, 1 through 21. Wiggleworth's writings for the scripture read, Then came by faith a regenerating power that made me know I was born of God. It came like a wind. Praise God. Knowing what an analytical chap I am, he, again with a capital H, he put it there, to hit me over the head with it. It had a tremendous effect upon my human nature, Wigglesworth goes on. And I found a new cre- I was a new creation. I found I wanted to pray and talk about God. Moments that leave us speechless. Transforming moments. Some of you, many of you, have had those kind of moments in varying and different kinds of ways. Moments we experience, transfiguring moments, but we can't really explain. Save by speaking of God and his grace and power. The disciples the ones that were with Jesus in this transfiguring moment, the ones that wouldn't speak, 
didn't know what to say. Only, only understood after another extraordinary moment, the resurrection. Then they were transformed, reassured, inspired, confirmed, understood things that perhaps they had no uh, clue about earlier. These speechless folk became people that you couldn't keep quiet. These verses about the resurrection came to me. These words, or this thought. If God were to say nine words to us, what would they be? This is my son, the chosen one. Hear him. Let us pray. God, we thank you for transfiguring moments, speechless moments. We thank you for all the moments of our life, special moments, memorable moments, and, and moments that are just fun to recall. God, remind us in all those moments that you're present. God, remind us in all those moments, the speechless moments, the extraordinary moments, the ordinary moments, that your great love in Jesus Christ is ours. In his name, amen.